The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. It's summertime here in North America, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a break. One of the things I'm doing this summer is something a little different. I'm going to take a break from sponsors so that you can get a full episode of Let's Fix Work uninterrupted. We love sponsorship dollars over here at Let's Fix Work headquarters, but we also love the opportunity to present you a conversation in its entirety. And I think we've got a good one for you today. My first guest for you this summer is Danny Fahey. He is the owner of Castle Fitness, and he's my personal trainer. Danny and I are working together on getting strong and, uh, I don't know, just getting my summer body on, you know, like everybody else. But one of the reasons why I love Danny is because he's not afraid to tackle the myths of wellness and well-being, and he's not afraid to tell it like it is when it comes to the fitness industry, supplements, gym memberships, and all the lies we tell one another related to the marketing of fitness instead of the real truths about what it means to get strong and to be healthy. Danny isn't just a strength coach and a personal trainer. He's also an entrepreneur. He's the founder of a company called Castle.fit. So you can go on the internet, Castle.fit. And it's a company where you can train with a personal trainer and do kettlebell training and strength training through the Facebook portal. And I've done it. It's actually really amazing. And it's a good and creative use of an interesting and emerging piece of technology. How many of us have let a gym membership go on for far too long and we never go inside that building? How many of us go to the gym and we just work out on the treadmill or the elliptical machine and we don't really see any benefits? How many of us have worked with a personal trainer who seems to know as much about fitness as we do? Danny is trying to disrupt the experience we get at the gym by bringing you the best of personal training and strength coaching, but doing it in your living room, your basement, your dining room, wherever you hook up your Facebook portal. It is so cool. I'm honored to be his friend. I'm honored to talk about it today. And I really hope you enjoy this unique edition of Danny Fahey and Let's Fix Work. Work is broken. And so is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself first, and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, Danny. How's it going? I'm doing really good, Lori. Thanks for having me today. (laughs) (laughs) It's so natural for us to be doing this together, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. It's like one of our training sessions. Yeah, Danny, you are in my dining room right now. I am. Yeah, it's just a bizarre experience because I normally see you at a fitness facility. So maybe you can tell everybody who you are and what the hell you do for a living. Yeah, let's start there. So my name's Danny Fahey. I've been a strength and conditioning coach for the better part of 20 years. Use several tools, mostly barbell training. And for those that might not be familiar with it, barbell is the long seven-foot tool that we use to squat, deadlift, and press with. So sometimes people get confused if it's a dumbbell or a barbell. Dumbbell is the smaller weight that you carry in your hand or you press and and use in your hand. And a kettlebell is uh, like a cannonball with a big handle welded to it. So 
those are the tools we use to help people get strong. Yeah. Like you and I are doing. Yeah. You think I'm getting strong? I know for a fact you are because the numbers, you know, in your log, the numbers don't lie. And I think when we started your first day, you deadlifted, uh, I believe you deadlifted 50 pounds. Yeah. And I think you are in the neighborhood now of 145 to 155. So you've, you're coming close to tripling your strength on the deadlift, which Gosh. is great. Yeah. And the deadlift is a really good representation of how strong somebody is. Danny, can I just ask you, why strength training? Why are you focused on fitness? Why is this your industry? Why aren't you working in marketing or sales or any other industry? Why is this calling your name? I think if I can get somebody stronger, it's a measurable, profound improvement in their life. Yeah. Have you always felt this way? I mean, you've been doing this for a lot of years. Did you know you were going to be in this industry pretty early on? I did. I went through a little bodybuilding phase when I was 16 or 17. And now I'm picking on bodybuilders, right? Yeah. What a <laughs> Didn't you tell me a story where you almost got stuck under a barbell or something? <laughs> oh, completely. Yeah. Super safe. Yeah. Super safe for these kids right. to be working out in their garages. Yeah. 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 I got buried once or twice. It oh happens. By the way, if anybody listening to this, do not bench press by yourself at home. Okay. Good. So, yeah. Good advice. I got into this. Probably what happened was I was in pretty good shape as a young guy. And a lot of people would say, hey, what do your workouts consist of? What do you eat? You know, the typical kind of questions you ask the kind of in-shape person. I re used to read all the muscle magazines oh, yeah, and, you know, right? it, it just appealed to me. And what happened was I got my first certification. You know, I spent 400 bucks. And this is when you, you know, you filled out a form in the back of a magazine. You know, there's no internet then. And they sent me a, a study course and I went and took the test. So I got a few certifications, started my, my little one-man business back then. Uh, I transitioned into the corporate world of fitness for a time. I uh, co-owned a company, uh, several companies that did fitness training, co-owned a few actual gym facilities. Even in those days of the corporate, though, my heart really was in the nuts and bolts of let's get people under the bar. Let's get this person stronger. It's fun to watch somebody get stronger. And maybe even more so, people that never in a million years would ever, ever think that they would be squatting or deadlifting a barbell, okay? If I can talk them, th this is the sales part. If I can talk them into getting under that bar with me a couple of times, they never leave. Yeah, They stay doing this. I think that's right. I mean, I am surprised at how much I enjoy it and how much you tolerate my bullshit <laughs> <laughs> when you see me. <laughs> yeah, Lori, it's not easy. No, I know it's not. Yeah, you're like, sure. get your knees out. Get them out. No, you're yeah. a dream. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right. Get your knees out. There's a lot. There's, it, it's funny about barbell training. Um, I think one of the other things that's appealing about it is that you're learning something valuable, yeah, right? I mean, true. through me coaching you, you're going to learn, right? So if you, and this is maybe an important point to bring up, a lot of trainers arbitrarily, we'll put it in quotes, train their clients. It's arbitrary. There's no method to it. It's just, hey, what does the trainer feel like doing that day? And that is nowhere near as satisfying as watching your deadlift triple in three or four months and driving home and going, you know, God damn it, I'm 58, my skin sucks, my boobs are saggy, but you know what? My deadlift is going up. Something's improving. I think that's the clincher for me is that you can take somebody, maybe somebody that's depressed, somebody that is unhappy with how they look, feel. I mean, their world is dark and you can bring them this thing. And I know this maybe sounds a bit Pollyannish, but really this brings me a lot of satisfaction in my work. You get this person 
on this routine where now I can look them in the eye and say something in your life will be better right now. You're going to get stronger. And if you're stronger, you're healthier every single time. If you're stronger, you're healthier. If you're stronger, you'll live longer. If you're stronger, you look better. There's not a downside to it. And I think that's, you know, when you ask what motivates me to keep doing this, it's that. It's that we're not trying to fix these people later. We're, we're improving them. They're going to be stronger next month, right? They're yeah. going to be better next year. I love that about this. And the, the barbell lets us do that. There's not a lot of other tools that can do it, but the barbell does. One of the things that I remember when I walked in the door, you said, I will always be strong no matter what, or at least stronger than the day I walked in from seeing you having done this. Can you explain the concept of strength and why it's so important? Absolutely. And I'm glad you remembered that. It's an important point. So strength adaptations, meaning as, as somebody's strength is increasing, and let, let's talk about what it is. Strength is basically your ability to push on something. A little more technically, strength is force production. So how much force can you produce against an external object, like a barbell or the ground when you run? Yeah. Okay. Or a car when I'm really angry and I'm pushing it out of a ditch, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah. Happens all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's strength. How hard can you push or pull on something? And to get strong takes longer, for instance, than say getting a cardiovascular adaptation. Cardio tends to come and go quickly. Yeah. So you take the classic gym member that hasn't been on a treadmill, they join a gym, they jump on a treadmill, and after two or three sessions on a treadmill, they say, wow, I, you improve very fast. Strength adaptations arrive and develop more slowly, but they stick around. So yes, yeah, so Lori, the fact that you got your deadlift up over 150, you will always be stronger for the rest of your life. Even if you say, Danny, you're fired. I'm not doing this with you anymore. You will always be stronger than had you not gotten strong. So that yeah. adaptation, because strength adaptations are expensive to the body. Yeah, that makes sense. It takes a lot of resources to get strong. I think about the world of fitness and especially corporate fitness and there are trends and, you know, there used to be trends like Weight Watchers and then it was, you know, getting 10,000 steps and there's always like a trend du jour. It seems to me that strength trumps all of those trends. I think so. And it's starting to finally gain traction in the medical community, which is really good. 20 or 30 years ago, when I started in this industry, in this line of work, it seemed like the only people that knew that this stuff was good for you were other trainers that knew what they were talking about. And the medical community back then, you know, back in the 80s and 70s still told you to walk, play yeah. tennis, yeah. run. And you couldn't find a doctor back then that would tell you, hey, I want you to pick up something heavy. I yeah. want you to get stronger. So luckily that's changing because a lot of those old doctors that told you that, you know, fortunately are dying off. Yeah. And the newer doctors that are a little bit more in touch with this stuff, because the research is so clear. If you're stronger, statistically, you're going to live longer. You're going to have fewer accidents. Your life's going to be better. Your posture is going to be better. Your ability to fend off nasty things like diabetes is better. So yeah, strength is what I always put first in my students, my clients' programs, because it carries over so well to everything else. If you're strong, you're going to have better endurance. If you're strong, you're going to have better stamina. You'll have more power. If you do get injured out there somewhere, you'll bounce back from injuries better when you're strong. So strength is this big kind of broad, very general adaptation 
that seeps into other attributes of fitness. And in my opinion, Lori, if I can say it, and this sounds a little harsh, if you're not strong, you're, you're not by any reasonable definition very fit. Well, I love that because I think as a runner, I discovered that to be true. You know, I could run long distances with relative speed, but I didn't feel other than cardio endurance, man, my body ached and I didn't feel like I had a lot of, I don't know, a lot of just oomph to my step. And now that I'm lifting and I'm a little bit stronger, I can feel it carry over in a lot of different ways. But I think for me, I came to strength with two stereotypes in mind. The first were bodybuilders. And boy, I fucking hate bodybuilders. <laughs> and good, then, <laughs> good, good. We could talk about yeah. that. And the second are CrossFitters. And I'm not sure who's worse, a bodybuilder or a CrossFitter. So why are those the two people <laughs> recognizing and almost representing the brand of strength when there are other schools out there? That association, I still struggle to get my new people to flush that out of their brain. And it, it's hard, right? So bodybuilding, you know, bodybuilding is the pursuit of the largest muscle mass with the lowest amount of body fat. And I know I in, in 20 years, no one has ever hired me to teach them how to bodybuild. Yeah, it's, I, it's uh, we're not, not doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not interested in it. The people that hire me are not interested in it. To me, it's basically a pageant. If somebody's into bodybuilding, that's their thing. God bless them. But bodybuilding and what we do are two different things. What we do is we focus on strength. Now, as a byproduct of getting stronger, your muscle will grow. But that is not the point of the strength training. The strength training is to improve health, is to make sure that we're covering all the other components of fitness, like we, like we mentioned, endurance, stamina. So bodybuilding is merely cosmetic. And it's also not CrossFit, what you yeah. do. Yeah, CrossFit the coaches that I network with will agree on one thing, and that is that CrossFit at least did bring visibility to barbell training to a lot of people, and that's a good thing. And there are some very good CrossFit coaches. Let me make sure I go on record and say that. However, CrossFit has an extremely high quit ratio. People tend to leave. And I know this because I'm friends with several CrossFit owners who have told me, Danny, behind the scenes, we call this place cross quit because we can't keep anybody. And I think one of the reasons that they have a difficult time doing that is because they are arbitrarily exercising their people. They don't train them in the sense that it is a planned group of workouts looking for a specific outcome. It's kind of just work out of the day. Hey, we're, today we're going to do jump boxes and tomorrow we're going to do high rep squats and we're going to then we're going to do push-ups then we're going to do burpees then we're going to go push flip tires in the parking lot it's arbitrary it might be fun yeah it's probably more fun than the program i do my program's repetitive and boring but in that people don't have as much of a goal in mind i mean it's kind of just general fitness whereas if you're strength training purely strength training you're going to see your numbers go up every week actually every every workout in the beginning then every week then every month then every couple months you're going to get stronger and stronger and stronger well, let's talk really briefly before we get started about corporate fitness myths about your system, because your system is a little bit different. I wasn't sure what to expect when I walked in the first day and what I expected on the first day was different than what I got. But now every day since then, you're right. It's been the same, almost the same workout. Yeah. So what is it? So in our system, we will typically work out three days a week. We'll lift three days a week and the exercises don't vary very much, if at all. We always squat. We always deadlift and we always press. Younger athletic people, people in their 20s or late teens, I'll have them power clean. Usually if I have a client that's uh, not 25 anymore, we skip the power clean. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can teach you it, but there's better uses of your efforts. Yeah. But we use 
squats, deadlifts, and presses because they use lots and lots of muscle yeah. through a good long range of motion that we can scale up and that helps us get stronger. And it I shouldn't even say it helps us get stronger. It will make you stronger every single time you do it, if you do it right. Well, you are someone who has a deep and historic knowledge of the fitness industry, man. You've been around for a few years, right? So you've seen things come and go. So I thought maybe we can talk about some myths around fitness, strength, and well-being because there is this trend in corporate America to get everybody healthy so that their insurance rates are lower, right? You want to be a productive, decent human being at work and you don't want to be out sick all the time. And so I think one of the biggest myths in corporate America and maybe in the world is that you need to start the day with a healthy breakfast. Tell me about that. I know you really hate this one. Oh man, it bugs me. Yeah, it's mostly bullshit. I think that that lie was propagated by the big cereal companies back in maybe the 60s or 70s or 80s when you're inundated as a kid with these nice pictures of these cute kids on TV that you you were supposed to want to be like that were eating a big bowl of cereal, pancakes, toast with spread, I think they called it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the evidence just isn't there. Yeah. And a few years ago, I think there were some studies that found an association between, oh, was it heart disease and people that don't eat breakfast? But I think they're being real generous with that association. That could be something else. Sure. You got to take those studies with a big grain. So is there a right way to eat? I mean, I believe now through just observation that every body is different, right? You bring your own set of problems, issues, DNA to the table when you're eating. So do you have a recommended way, an optimal way for people to eat in this world? Or is it really unique to the individual? So there's differences in what someone will do. Compliance is a big challenge. I have, and I'm not picking on my, my ladies, um, female lifters make up 95% of my business. So I'm not picking on them, but they have a very difficult time ingesting enough protein. So if there was one dietary kind of punch, I would try to get everybody to agree to, if you will, is bump up your protein because you're probably low on protein. If you're a female and you're over 30, you're probably eating less protein than is optimal. Getting protein in is a pain in the ass. I am not a big, I know we're going to talk a little bit about supplements. I am not a supplement pusher. I'm not interested in that market. I think they should close these vitamin stores down. I think they're mostly, mostly bullshit. But if you are having a hard time getting in enough protein, and we usually recommend about a gram per pound of body weight. So if someone weighs 200 pounds, get them about 200 grams a day of protein. Protein, and just as a quick reminder, protein foods are your meats, you know, eggs, milk, whatever works for you. And going back to supplements, now now I have to, I have to give them a pat <laughs> on the back. There, yeah. there are some good protein supplements for vegans that are better than they used to be. But the big thing is, can we get somebody to bump up their protein? Yeah, that and makes that, sense. And that kind of tends to also crowd out the other junk. Protein, you need protein when you're weight training. Absolutely have to have it. You can't build muscle and strength without protein. It won't happen. It's biologically impossible. So you do need protein. On the other hand, we don't need to go so overboard. Three, 400 grams of protein a day is, is not going to be needed by 99.9% .9 of us. Well, you brought up the supplement market. And I think that is one of the myths we hear, you know, whether it's protein supplements or some sort of hormones or natural this or mm -hmm. vitamin that. Everybody believes to be fit, you have to detox. You have to take something else. The detox is the thing that bugs me the most. But talk a little bit about this market and some of the garbage that's out there. Let's put it this way. If you walk into the local supplement shop, there's maybe 
out of their thousands of products, there's maybe two or three that I would ever recommend. Most of the other stuff is total snake oil. It's not going to help anybody. Waste of time, waste of money, waste of an hour to even go to the shop or if yeah. you're ordered off Amazon. The only thing worth getting at the supplement shop, in my opinion, is a good fish oil. Okay. Good fish oil helps with inflammation. A lot of people, it helps with sleep. So I recommend a good fish oil. I recommend a good protein supplement. A protein, if you can, if you're okay with whey protein, whey isolate is a good, clean protein that is very highly utilized by the body. So a good fish oil, a good protein supplement is fine. I do recommend for some folks creatine monohydrate, five grams a day for as long as you can stay compliant with taking it. Again, taking creatine is a pain in the ass. Outside of those three supplements, everything else, just take those and just burn the place down. Yeah. <laughs> we won't name any names around those companies, but they are no, largely we don't garbage. Need to. They know who they are. And you walk in and you see someone who doesn't look like they've seen sunlight for the past couple of <laughs> yeah, weeks. I know, you know? that guy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, wait a second. I'm not going to take my health recommendations from you, dude. I think there's another myth out there that before you get started, like when you go to Planet Fitness or Lifetime Fitness, they want to weigh you and they want to measure your BMI and yeah. they make all sorts of diagnostic recommendations based on those two figures. Are your weight and your BMI meaningful anymore or are there better metrics that we can use? Way better metrics. I don't care what somebody weighs and you shouldn't care what you weigh. BMI is a total crock of shit. BMI is body mass index. It's still used un unbelievably here in 2019. It's still, it's still taken seriously by some people, and it shouldn't be. BMI does not take into account ratio of body fat to muscle. BMI is, is essentially how much do you weigh, how tall are you, here you go. Take a 200-pound guy that's nice and fit and has got a low body fat and he's fairly muscular. He might have an obese level BMI, and we know that that's just not true. So... We don't use BMI. As a matter of fact, when I test people's body fat, and there's different ways we do it. We do pinching, and that's real pleasant. So yeah, we sometimes yeah. just do a handheld. Yeah, we skip that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pinching's actually pretty accurate if it's done by a skilled pincher. Sure. So we want to concentrate more on body fat, but we're not obsessive about it. Yeah. Because if somebody's getting stronger and they're eating healthily, they actually, as they gain a little bit of muscle mass, a little bit of body fat will come with that. And we're not trying to get anybody fat. We're trying to just get people strong. And this program does not make people fat. And I think there is a myth that if you do strength training or if you do anything related to weights, especially if you're a woman, you're going to put on weight. And if there's one thing that women tend to measure themselves by, it's by that stupid number on the scale, right? So can you talk a little bit about the tension between strength training and weight? Yeah. What is normally the case is if I can convince a new student, especially a female student, to take four or five months and get her deadlift up to 200, she will find that, and this is almost always the case, she will find losing body fat at that point much, much easier. Because not only does she have more muscle mass, that's one thing. And everybody knows muscle mass burns some calories. It's a little bit embellished, by the way. Yeah. So next time you hear that, put that in its place. It's true. More muscle means more calories burned, but it's not a lot. What's more exciting to me is when you're stronger and you have more muscle mass, your body is better at partitioning the stuff you eat to the places you want it and keeping it out of the places you don't want. It. Well, wait, explain that to me a little bit. Right. So somebody, well, let's take you, Lori, right? Yeah. So let's take the two Lori's. You've got a, an identical twin that doesn't weight train. Her deadlift is 55. Your deadlift is 185. Okay. So you've got more muscle. Mm-hmm. And more strength. When you both eat a cupcake at the party, yeah, it is more likely that your body, because you have more muscle, 
will take that sugar and all that crud you just ate and will take it and put it more inside of a muscle cell while your evil twin will, that cupcake will go more into fat cells. It always goes into my ass. We could just say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So that's one of the things that we see after we get our female lifters strong. Yeah, interesting. Is that they can be a little looser with what they eat. Yeah. So it sort of goes, in, it flies in the face of the typical diet where you have to get tighter and tighter and tighter to keep losing weight. So that's why we are so almost adamant. Let me get you strong first. And let's take advantage of the fact that you're going to have more muscle and your body's going to partition the nutrients better for you. Let's 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 yeah, play that, that card. That makes sense. Yeah. So many women, and I hate to be woman focused because there are dudes out there. In fact, my podcast is over half dudes. So let's pretend these dudes care about their weight too, right? Sure. These And they, they do. They want to have abs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they do want to have abs. Yeah. That's right. So they'll oftentimes download an app and they'll try to count their macros, right? I'm getting my macros. Sure. What is that, by the way, when someone wants to do that? And does it work to count your macros and just do that alone? So macronutrient is just the big stuff, is your proteins, your fats, and your carbohydrates. And if it's done right, uh, yeah, you've got to know what you're putting in. So basically, if somebody's eating, say, 3,000 calories a day, you don't want all 3,000 calories coming from carbohydrate. You don't want all 3,000 coming from protein or fat. You want to calculate what you need for protein first, right? So let's say somebody weighs 150 pounds, let's get them 150 grams of protein in a day. Each gram of protein carries four calories. So they're they're at 600 calories already there. So I would probably have about 600 calories, six to 800 calories of carbohydrate on top of that. And the rest would be fat. We'd want to make sure that person's getting 35 to say 50 grams of fat in their diet in the day. So that's, these are just broad, broad generalizations here. But so counting and tracking those numbers can really make a difference if you're focused on weight loss, or is it just one component of it? Because I would imagine you also have to go into a calorie deficit in order to lose weight, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, even with the resurgence of the ketogenic diet, and you know, people think ketogenic diets are new. They've been around forever. The calories matter. Yeah. Talking about weight loss, we actually put protein first for weight loss and we put protein first when someone wants to gain muscular body weight. So talking about the guys out there, somebody wants a bigger arm, they want a bigger chest, they want bigger legs. No matter what the goal is in kind of this arena, we put protein first. So protein will kind of make the macronutrient ratios kind of fall into place. So if we nail down your protein, your carbs and your fats will kind of follow and drop where they should. Yeah. One of the reasons why is if you're eating a good supply of protein, it's not impossible, but it makes it more difficult to overeat all the other stuff. Protein's pretty satisfying. Let me make sure I'm making a distinction too between counting everything and just ballparking it. I ballpark my protein. You do. I do. I don't sit there and weigh it. I don't have any of my students, clients weigh it or measure it. I don't think that works. I think all that bullshit with, hey, we'll put it on a smaller plate. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. We do estimates of protein. So, you know, palm of your hand is a serving of protein. Oh, all right. right? Yeah. That's going to get you 30 grams right there. As far as counting it to the gram and living that life. The reason I don't have my students do it is because no one's going to do it. No, there's a there's a couple of crazy people that'll do it. And God bless them. If they want to do it, that's fine. But it's for the majority of us. That's just not how life is lived. Food is something you celebrate makes you feel good. So counting it and weighing it and portion control. Hey, if it worked, I'd use it. 
Well, we have talked today a little bit about uh, strength training, and we've talked a little bit about some myths, and we've really talked about protein, right? So you've got strength training and protein that are the two important components of this conversation. Where does Planet Fitness and Lifetime (laughs) Fitness fit in all of this? Because I want a gym membership where I can spend 12 bucks a month and nobody hassles me, right? Is that even effective? Is that a good way to get healthy and to live? There's a difference between Planet Fitness and Lifetime Fitness in that if my facts are right, at Planet Fitness, there is no barbell training. Yeah, it's just it machines, is, I it think. It is yeah. strictly machines. And at Lifetime, at least you can get a barbell workout in. They've got squat racks and they've got power racks. If they appreciate the idea of getting strong, they might want to search elsewhere for their gym. It is extremely And let me say, extremely difficult to get strong on a machine-based program. Mm. Now, people don't believe that because they go in on Monday and they curl 30 pounds on the machine. And then they go in Wednesday and they can curl 32 pounds on the machine. But that is going to run out quickly. Mm -hmm. And that strength is not meaningful in that you only got better at that movement. Mm. Those machines don't load your whole body system in the way that squats and deadlifts do. Machines isolate muscles in ways that muscles aren't designed to work in the real world. You don't walk with one muscle. You don't pick up your kid with one muscle. You don't pull a guy out of the street with one muscle, right? You use muscles synergistically. They work together. Machines can't do that. So I would implore somebody listening, and I'm, I'm not beating up on Planet Fitness, but find a gym where you can actually get under a barbell. And make sure that there is a coach there that knows what he or she is doing. And by the way, Laura, your folks are free to reach out to me. If they want to find a coach, I can find them a coach. Yeah. But the machine-emphasized workout routines are great for gym owners because they make tons of money. They don't require specialized staff to train people. All you've got to do is just change the seat position or the hand position and put a pin in the weight stack. You're right. It's a turnkey franchise, right? You buy the equipment, you put up the logos on the wall, and then people do what they want with the machines. right? And people don't know that there's a difference. Yeah. And they need to know there's a difference. So they go into a Lifetime Fitness, and you're right. You know, I used to belong to Lifetime and other gyms as well, where you walk in, you take five steps, and then they try to sell you something other than what you've already purchased, which is a membership. But all right, you're in a Lifetime Fitness, and there are trainers there. How do you know the trainers know what they're doing? It's a problem. I can tell you that some of them are probably pretty good. In my opinion, the best trainers you're going to find in your city are not working in big commercial gyms. They're working in small studios. They're working in garage gyms, warehouse gyms. They're working on places that are a little bit less visible. Yeah. They will typically be working for themselves. The best way I think to find out if a trainer knows what they're doing is to interview them and ask them hard questions. Try to stump them. Take some of the information that maybe you learned from listening to this trainer today. (laughs) Ask them about strength. Ask them about why should we use this exercise and make them defend it. Make them defend their program with some science. Yeah. If they are doing things like uh, battle ropes and box jumps, you know, more of the kind of CrossFit Iron Tribe type of stuff, ask them why. Ask them what the science is and see what they say. Ask them things like, are squats bad for the knees? If you ask a trainer if squats are bad for the knees and they say yes, I want you to not hire that trainer. So tell me why. Because most people think squats are bad for the knees. If anything, a properly done squat is probably the best thing 
that we can do to help somebody with what I call tweaking ease, right? And all of us have stuff. We call it the stuff. Sometimes we call it the shit, but yeah. the stuff, right? The <laughs> stuff is a bad shoulder, a bad back, a bad knee, a bad elbow, a bad wrist, a bad back. All of us have something like that, right? I mean, I even know somebody I'm talking to right now has a I've got, I've got bad hips. Yeah, yes. right? but, we, but, <laughs> yes. but, but we squat and we deadlift and we yeah, press we even with your bad yeah, hips, Yeah, right? and it feels all right. If it, I do it right, it doesn't hurt. That's right. So most squats, and just for everybody listening, a squat is, is simply a barbell on your back with the motion that you descend and drop your hips down and make your hips descend and ascend. Okay, so, and I said hips. People think that it's a leg exercise. Yeah. The quads, which are the big muscles on your thighs, the quads certainly are involved in the squat, but we, the way we squat, it is a hip-oriented exercise. We squat with our hips. The knees, to me, act merely as hinges. So what we do in a properly performed squat is we strengthen the muscles that are around that knee. And when it's done right, what I hear two or three times a week is, Danny, my knees feel better. Or somebody comes to me and they say, Danny, my knee either feels better or it definitely doesn't hurt any worse. And that's because we're adding some strength, a lot of back pain. And I'm not, I'm not promising any magical bullshit here, okay? But a lot of people with back pain, if they got to use a proper deadlift and could get their deadlift up to 200 if you're a woman and get it up to 375 or 400 if you're a man, you will have probably less back pain. I can't yeah. promise that. Right. That would be irresponsible. But it's what we see. Now, a poorly performed squat is hell on the knees. A poorly performed deadlift is bad for the back. But a good trainer or a good coach will know that properly performed, those movements are extremely beneficial. By the way, to people of all ages. So there are people who really hate talking to people or making eye contact with people and go to the gym and would prefer to just be left alone, right? Yeah. I mean, gym time, for whatever reason, is their time, right? And so can you get strong without a coach? Can you do this? Or do you need someone? Get a coach to at least start you off. Get a handful of sessions. That way, if a trainer tries to rope you into a year or two years of training, don't go for it. Buy a handful five, eight, 10, 12 sessions at a time and make sure that trainer is giving you good service and that you're learning. So if you join a Planet Fitness type place and you're just going to be using machines, they'll have somebody there for free that'll show you how to do it anyway. You don't need a trainer. If you want to actually get trained, barbell trained, or you want to learn kettlebells properly, it pays to get a coach. I would yeah. recommend it. Yeah. And I know that might sound self-serving, but that's what I would say if I weren't in this business. Get a coach, learn. I mean, I have people coach me. And the difference for me in doing kettlebells with you versus watching it on YouTube and trying to do it on my own is like night and day. Even when they're great coaches on YouTube, they're not in the room correcting me, right? Watching what I'm doing, looking for potential injuries, all that kind of stuff that goes along with it. And yet there's this movement today towards in-home fitness. So I know this is something that you're passionate about. Talk to me a little bit about the development of your own career, your own business, and where in-home fitness is going. Yeah, it's going in a good direction, in my opinion. There is a large population of people that had a bad experience at the gym or are never joining a gym again. They don't want to travel to the gym. They don't want to park. They don't want to see the meatheads. They don't want to get sold stuff all day long. Like you had mentioned, you walk in and, and you know, it's a money grab. They don't want the attitude. They don't want the sweat. They just don't like that gym atmosphere, but they know that they need strength. They got to get healthier. So a couple of years ago, I noticed that more and more of my clients 
were hiring me to come to their homes and train them in home. And I still train over 80% of those people. They just have me keep coming back for some unknown yeah, reason. Yeah, because you're pretty great, Dan. Yeah, huh? oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I was yeah. waiting for you to say that. Or, yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. <laughs> they know that they need to do this stuff, but they want the privacy. They're just not gym people. Or they might be gym people, but they're working professionals. A lot of people are working from home. They can squeeze this stuff in between conference calls and between meetings. So it's very efficient. I train a lot of professional people that just, they can't burn two or three hours traveling to a gym and coming back. It's just, it's too big of a chunk of the day. Yeah. So I show up either live or via Facebook portal or Google Duo. So we, do, we also train virtually and that's been very well received and very successful. It's efficient. And the idea that somebody comes to your living room and they don't have to deal with the gym atmosphere is very appealing. So tell me a little bit about the advent of technology, because every industry is being disrupted due to poor experiences, right? So you think about why Uber exists, because people hate taking taxi rides, right? You think about WeWork, it's because people want, they don't want an office, they just want to go somewhere great and spend a little bit of money and then leave. They don't want a big leasing commitment. So I see a lot of things happening in the fitness industry and the strength industry, right? So you're using technology yourself to grow and change your business. So can you talk a little bit about that and what you're doing? Absolutely. I have a very good friend, a very good client of mine was actually recruited by Amazon and I trained him in his home here in Raleigh. Great guy. Hi, AJ. AJ got plucked away and moved to Seattle before he went. He said, and he's a tech guy. He's a software guy for Amazon. And he said, Danny, I've got an idea. Let's you and I train via Facebook portal when I move to Seattle so that we can continue to train together because I want to continue this. I like what we're doing. And I had heard of the portal, but I had never used one. And I'm the type of person that would not have really known that that thing does what it does. I'm out of touch a little on that. I'm getting better about that. So he bought a portal. I bought a portal. They're a couple hundred bucks. And what do you know? We did a couple of test sessions to make sure that I could cue him, yeah. that I wouldn't miss errors in his lifts, that the communication wasn't echoey and wasn't delayed too long. I wanted to make sure the experience for these clients was good. And and I'll never forget, Lori, God's honest truth about three minutes into the first session, AJ puts his kettlebell down and he goes, Danny, this is great. <laughs> wow. And I knew yeah. we might've been on to something there. If it were fuzzy and unclear and I couldn't really coach through it, I wouldn't do it. The client experience needs to be 100%, but it's very good. It's very good. And that, so we're using that technology now. I'm expanding my client base with other coaches through that technology. So if people are interested in learning a little bit more about where this is going at home-based training through a portal or through the Google Duo, where can they go? Where can they ask you questions? Where can they learn more about this? So we have a company called Castle. And through Castle, we have several coaches that'll coach you through live right into your living room. And you can find me at castle.fit, it's our website. And email is contactcastlefitness at gmail.com, contactcastlefitness at gmail.com. And again, my name is Danny. Reach out to me with any questions. And if you're interested in finding out about how our programs work, by all means, reach out and we'll walk you through that process. It's very simple. As I mentioned earlier, we don't do any type of long-term contracts. You do blocks of sessions at a time. You'll learn a lot. You'll get fit. You'll get stronger. And you don't have to leave your house. Well, I love that you're passionate about this. And I know that 
from working out with you, it has helped me to focus a little bit more to be back in touch with my body to just really understand what's going on a little bit more with myself and to have a little bit more endurance to do the work that pays my mortgage, right? So I appreciate the impact that you're having on my life and my business. So thanks for being a guest on Let's Fix Work, man. It's been great. It's been awesome. Well, thank you for your friendship and your... By the way, everybody, Lori can lift, okay? (laughs) The girl can lift. She can squat. She can deadlift. She's strong. No, Lori, seriously, it's a pleasure training with you. I look forward to our sessions. We we got some good banter too, don't we? We do. It's been fun, right? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. And it should be. We just like making fun of the same kind of people and the same things. So I think that helps. Yeah, I think it does. You know, we don't like meatheads. We don't like bullshit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got, yeah, exactly. And there's other things that we'd maybe leave off the air. But (laughs) yeah, there's a lot of shit we hate. But it's always a good experience to watch you getting stronger. I mean, the notes don't lie, right? Yeah, When you see it in hard numbers, you're like, okay, yes, this is improving. And that's really cool. But yeah, you're a good lifter. Well, thanks so much for being a guest. It's been a real joy. Lori, thank you so much for having me. Everybody sit tight. We'll be right back with more Let's Fix Work. All executives need to be podcasting. Podcasts are the number one way for executives to create an authentic and trusting relationship with employees and potential customers. That's why my producer, Danny Osmond, just did a three-part series on why executives should be podcasting. Want to give your company a brand or a face? Want to connect with current or future employees? Are you interested in pivoting out of your current position and into a new career or personal brand? Well, if you're an executive who is podcast curious, head on over to dannyosmond.com forward slash executives and learn how a podcast builds credibility, how podcasting gives you a leg up against the competition, and how a podcast can power a speaking career and help you write a book. Don't worry about finding the time to listen. Each episode is less than 10 minutes and Danny has put all three episodes in one place. Head on over to dannyosmond.com forward slash executives to listen and find more resources. That's dannyosmond.com forward slash executives. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Danny Fahey. Now, all of Danny's information is in the show notes. You can learn more about castle.fit and strength training, and there are some links and resources there. But you've got to go to my show notes at laurierudeman.com forward slash let's fix work dash 66 because you have to see a photo of Danny. He looks like a strong, angry man who's going to like flip a car. But as you heard in this episode, he's the nicest, the kindest, the gentlest man I think I've ever met. And he's just one of these individuals who, I don't know, you just meet him and you can't help but like him. He's funny. He's got a passion for the right side of history. He loves animals. He's just become a good friend to my husband and I, and we absolutely adore Danny Fahey and his wife. So again, go to the show notes and learn all about castle.fit. This commercial-free edition of Let's Fix Work was recorded in my dining room and produced by Danny Osment at Emerald City Productions. If you like what you hear or have any constructive feedback, you can hit me up at hello at letsfixwork.com and you can also follow me all over the internet at L. Rudiman. Now that's all for today and I really hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time with no commercials this summer on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by number one, subscribing to Let's Fix Work on the Apple Podcasts app or iTunes or Stitcher or Android or wherever you listen. Number two, write a five-star rating and review. And number three, share it with a friend, colleague, or coworker who you think would enjoy our episodes.